Rajanti. And I'm Marcus Rajanti. And this is Passport Necessary, a podcast dedicated to growing up as TCKs and how it's affecting us now that we are adults. Mm -hmm. And this week, we are talking about international schools, which is something Mm. that both of us have a lot of experience in. (laughs) Yes. Definitely. I'm trying to think. I went to... um, I'm doing a quick count for five, six international schools the entire time I was growing up, like up to high, because I graduated in high school and then I went to college here in the States. So I think six. Okay. Maybe more. Actually, it might be seven. I went to two, but my youngest brother went to a different one to the one that I went to. It was a complicated thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've also, when I was a small kid, because my dad used to come back, we used to come back in the winter to do to do um he he came back to do his phd when he was in birmingham doing that so we'd come to yorkshire and i went to a small school uh i think it was called leavening school like leavening is a strange small village somewhere in the north of yorkshire um Mm -hmm. most people might not have heard of it um so i have a little bit of a comparison between english school systems and international school systems um and it's a funny thing, it's, it's a broad range of stuff that goes on. I don't think sort of like preschool and kindergarten are too different. But there are things, I think, sort of working in sort of like more American style system, because the international schools often will follow an American style system with a few other things mm-hmm. thrown in. That's my experience anyway. Um, the difference is a kind of clear they i think american schools are much more competitive in a certain sense american schools i think they are yes i think there's much more kind of a sense of doing the sports and the sporty people and that kind of thing oh i see yes it's it definitely is far more clicky there's a lot more clicks and like identity is very important like building your identity and figuring out who you are in school especially in america i think lends itself towards finding a group that you associate with whereas i think at least from the international schools that i went to my experience was kind of we're all international kids and you have varied interests but there's a far greater likelihood that if you were into sports, you also probably did the musicals. You also Mm -hmm. probably were in band or like you did multiple things that meant that you weren't just part of one quote unquote group. You really kind of got, if you didn't get along with everyone, you at least like were able to, you know, go through the school and have a decent experience. Also because our classes were so small. Yes. That is a key thing. That's really I think it's one of the education things is it like certainly from what I've heard from people talking about the schools in Britain is that the class sizes were huge. Um, mm. I don't know that much about it because I haven't been through it, but the class sizes are huge. You don't necessarily get the one-on-one tuition that you might need to get you through a certain amount of stuff. Mm-hmm. It becomes much more difficult to work on your own skill set and the teachers might not necessarily be able to invest as much time as they could in you personally. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I remember the one year that I was in an American school versus international school. Um, I remember being in a class where I was like, it was, it was still small, but I mean, it was bigger than most of the classes I had been in. And I feel mm-hmm. like I kind of got away with doing a lot of things on my own or like not paying attention. One, because I basically was redoing the same information that I had studied in the fourth <laughs> grade and I was in the sixth grade. So it was like, yeah. I kind of was like, I already know this. I don't, I don't need to pay attention, <laughs> yeah. which is very bad to be in, in school and do that. But I think when I was back in international schools, I really appreciated how much more individual time I had with teachers. Because once I went back Mm -hmm. into international schools, because I was in middle school and high school, where your classes kind of diverge, you start taking more specific courses with specific teachers. Um, Because in elementary school, you really kind of have the one teacher and they teach everything. But once you get to like middle and high school, that's when it starts branching out and you have a biology teacher, a history teacher, Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. I think once that started happening for me, I really appreciated how small my class sizes were Yeah, because I had classes where it was like 12 students, maybe 15 at the most. Like it was never really that big. So doing any sort of work felt far more, I don't like to use the word intimate because that has like romantic ties to that word, but it was more intimate. It was a lot more um, individualized and it felt very connected. Um, and I liked it. I will agree that most of the international schooling that I went through was very, um, American based and, st- and I also went into a French school system when I started out. Mm-hmm. So when I was little, little, I was in the French school system until I want to say third grade or no, 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 right. second grade. And then third grade, I went into the American school system. Um, and they're very different. I, I think personally, like there's just a very different way of approaching teaching and students and that whole interaction. Um, so I kind of had this really weird dynamic where I had been through the French school system. Now I was into the American system that was international. And then only two years after I did that, I was in the American public school system, which is awful or at least where I was it was not great and then I went back into American international schools and I was like oh my gosh I have so much I need to catch up on so seventh grade was a rough year of just trying to catch up on all that work and then I started doing IB well pre-IB um yes which I know you went through as well (laughs) yeah I mean it's it's the thing is uh, international schools it it's an incredible advantage if you can mm-hmm. get that education. It does, and particularly the IB, gives you a, lo- a huge spectrum of things that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I am always kind of... There are a couple of different things that I feel when people talk to me about sort of... I see university students and stuff like that and they start talking to me about stuff. I mean, like Both my parents are, you know university lecturers and that kind of stuff so i come from a background of people who educate people so they know what to look for in order to teach people stuff i'm always surprised by the fact that when i come to talking to university students about stuff they're always astonished that i know what they're talking about and i think that's partly down to the ib 
mm-hmm. and international schools because the level of education is very high and the expectations are very high. And it's odd because university students in Britain to an extent think, oh, well, I've got to university. It's amazing. I'm at this, particularly within York, York University has a very high, uh, it's considered to be, it's very prestigious in its mm-hmm. own right. In its own right. It is a good university. Um, but you talk to people, I've talked to MA students even and stuff like that. And they go, how do you know this stuff? And it's like, well, I spent time looking at things and international <laughs> schools will teach you to do that. So you can talk mm-hmm. on a basic level about physics. You can talk on a basic level about history. You can talk on a basic level on a whole range of subjects. So that's the IB, I think, specifically. But also, you know, I was lucky. I had very good teachers who were very good at sort of putting things forward. Mm-hmm. And specifically, as a talking to my dad and talking about the importance of learning history and stuff like that and he was saying that he always thinks that history is a really important thing to teach people because then you learn how we are where we are Mm -hmm. the issue i have is that i will talk to english people about their history and they don't know any of it Mm -hmm. nothing yep that happens to me here in the states a lot (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, yeah. do you not know your American history? Like, not yeah. that I really studied it when I was in high school, but mm. because international schools, they focus more on like general geopolitical what's going yeah. on. And honestly, they do focus a lot on Europe. Um, but still, I feel like there was a little bit of a smattering of like, this was kind of going on in America at the time. And I have enough curiosity mm. on my own that I was like, I clearly don't know enough about my American history. I'm going to, on my own, go and learn about this when, once I got to college. Yes. Um, but there are so many American kids I talk to, I say kids, people my age, who I'm like, you don't know mm. your history. Like, you, you yeah. did you not study it when you were in school? <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I, th- I think international schools have a real sort of idea of teaching you how to study. Mm-hmm. Especially IB. Aspect. Especially yes. IB. Yes, yes. And, and that's the thing is you, you can develop a sense of critical thinking, which I don't think a lot of people are fortunate enough to be given. They have a kind of basic idea of critical thinking, but I don't think that they are supported in doing that critical thinking that often. Oh, I mean, for sure. I mean, the American education system, a big portion of it is just memorization, and wrote memorize yeah. like a big part of American education is how well do you do on your SATs, which are a standardized testing system. So it's all about memorizing. It's not really critical. You have to just learn a lot and just memorize it. And then once you're done, you forget about it. Whereas I think mm-hmm. with the IB, it really is very for a thing that you can be very fortunate to learn from. It's hard. Yes. It's very hard. It is two years of basically pre-college work. Like I was writing essays every week, every other week. If Mm -hmm. not, I was working on a project. And if not, I was working on uh, doing prep tests. Like we would do mock IB final tests from junior and senior year. I was doing that. And before I even got into the IB program, I was doing pre-IB classes where it was like, you will probably have to learn this stuff once you're in the IB. Let's get the foundation in so that you have an idea of what the IB is going to look like. That's what I went through when I was at CA. 
And then, um, right. which is Canadian Academy, that's the school we both went to. And then when yeah. I moved to my second high school, uh, the American school Paris, I like went into the IB program. There was no mm-hmm. like, oh, get right. No, I, I was in it. That was what I was studying. Yeah. And it's intense. It's basically college level work in a high school setting. Yes. And the thing is, is it was interesting, like, because I did a brief stint at university years ago and the thing was is i was i was astonished like because it, it was supposed to be a music degree and all that sort of stuff and it was more music business but people i met you were talking to them about stuff and they just had no i was rubbish in the ib on music generally but my baseline knowledge was way above the baseline knowledge that these people had they just couldn't think about music it was very much sort of paint by numbers type stuff Mm-hmm. And because I had the IB training in the background, I couldn't hack it because it's going, why am I spending, why is this money being spent on something that I know is not really up to standard? Mm-hmm. It, it's not up to scratch. And so the thing is, that I, I, I'm still a little bit suspicious of the English university system. I don't know about Scotland or Wales or, or Northern Ireland that much, but I'm suspicious of it because I kind of think... If you're spending the money that you're spending, you should be getting back a heck of a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. It should it should be as good. I should be getting the teachers from, I should be getting these teachers from the university that I would have expected to have had in school because my teachers in school were fantastic, mm-hmm. really really good teachers, very very dedicated, and really would push you. I mean, I was not very good in school, but the thing was, I had good teachers, so I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is, it's the learning that matters. I didn't necessarily do all the essays and things that I should have done, but I learned what I needed to learn. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. It's yeah, high th- level. Yeah, it's, it's a much higher level. And I, I definitely agree with you when I got to college, there was definitely this element of kind of like sink or swim where I was like, Mm -hmm. you need to be able to work independently. Like there are teachers there, they will lecture you, they'll teach you, they'll train you. But there was also an element of like, you have to figure some of this out on your own, which, you know, in the real world, you do need to have those skills. And it was something that I had already learned from IB. So I did well, but I had friends who really struggled in college because it was, it was one of those times where I was like, you have to figure this out. This teacher has so many other students that they need to pay yes. attention to in a lecture setting. They can't give individual focus on you. You have to be able, you have to have the skills to go off independently and figure it out and study it on your own and then come back to class and be like, I prepped, I'm ready, I can move forward. And yes. I mean, I also came from a background where both my parents were professors. Uh, my mom stopped, mm-hmm. but both my parents were at heart teachers. Oh, yes. Yes. And so education was really big in my family. And an emphasis on doing well in school was very big in my family. <laughs> yeah. So doing the IB wasn't really a question. It was like, you're doing the IB. You just have to figure out mm. what courses you're going to take. Um, oh, and yes. we never mentioned, IB is International Baccalaureate. It is a program yeah. uh, that is done by I think most international schools as a way of standardizing the education so that when you go to other universe to university, which they are basically training you for, there is a standard way of looking at the IB and saying like, Oh, you put that amount of work in. Okay. So we know what you can do. Um, which is great in Europe 
European universities are like, oh, mm-hmm. I know what the IB is. American universities have like just started to recognize IB. And I can tell you mm-hmm. how I know that because when I went to college, all these kids had take all like my peers had taken AP courses. And so they got a bunch of classes taken off. This is like advanced. I don't know what the P stands for, but it's a course that you can take in the US, which is similar to IB, not as intense. And so I had a bunch of friends who they took AP and they had a bunch of courses taken off. Like they had credits that they were able to bring into college. So it meant that there was less like busy work they had to do. They could just focus on the courses they wanted to take. The only thing that I got taken off for my credits was a basic writing course. I did standard IV math, which is like advanced calc. It goes up to like calculus two, basically, which was what my my universe. I didn't get that covered. I didn't get history covered. No sign. I had to do all of those prerequisites. Yes. It was, I was so mad because I knew the kids who had done AP and I was like, oh, like I know that's tough, but it's not IB. I mean, come on. IB is intensive it really is you have to take six courses three of them have to be what's called higher level so they're more intense there's more time spent on it and then you have to take three standard level you have to take one language one socio-economic so like history or or so i think yes that kind of thing you have to take a science you have to take Mm -hmm. a math you have to take Mm -hmm. a language and, and you have to do something in the arts as well and you have to do an art so six yeah. courses that you have to take plus theory of knowledge yeah. and yeah. you have to do 150 hours of uh, like outside of school work. It's basically like uh, working well, in... It, it, was, it was CAS, was it creativity? Oh God. So, Arts and CAS. service. That's it, yes. Action and service or something like that where basically it's 150 hours that you spend outside of school dedicated to like basically helping other people and like service yes. work and plus the dissertation plus the dissertation oh my gosh i yeah. forgot about the extended essay oh <laughs> I, yeah i three thousand words it. at least yes it, yeah. it's basically like a final college paper so when yeah. i when i got to college my college was one of those few that made you do a senior project so basically at the end of your senior mm-hmm. year it's like a capstone encompasses all the things that you studied in the past four years showcase what you know write a paper and you graduate with like you have to get a grade on that and then you graduate I already knew what I was ready to do for that because I had done the extended essay so I was prepped like a lot of my friends who was in who are in the same course as me were like I have to do what I have like (laughs) a 4,000 word essay I was like yes it's you you have to do it go for mm-hmm. it you have to find all your references and make a like it, it it's intense but we had gone through it because of the ib so it wasn't shocking to yeah. me when i had to do it for college it was like yeah of course i have to write a capstone why wouldn't i yeah yeah <laughs> it's and it's not it's not a surprise because i mean even even in like individual courses you'd have to write a long essay at the end of a, of a case study or whatever it was. I can't remember exactly what it was called. But you would, and this is like a serious essay you'd have to write, and they would be like 2,500 words at least. So you'd have to do one for history, you'd have to do one for the arts, you'd have mm-hmm. to do one for uh, literature courses and all that sort of stuff. You would have to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, 
and it wasn't just one, there were several of them that you would have to do. I, I can remember my history one being an interesting one. Um, music one, I didn't do that well because you had to like, it was a compare and contrast thing. So you had to pick two pieces of music and that kind of thing to compare and contrast to each other. And then also, but like with the history one that was interesting, I was, I knew I was onto a good thing because I decided to compare what happened in the English Civil War at the end of it with Oliver Cromwell and what happened with Soviet Russia when Lenin came into power. Oh, One thing I found out is that two of the books I bought in order to write this were written by the same person. So she obviously <laughs> kind of was like, oh, yes, this is the kind of thing that we need to do. It's like, yeah, I'm onto something here. You were like, I've got a brand new idea. And it was like, it's already been written about. <laughs> yeah, it's been done. <laughs> I think for my history one, because I went to a school where uh, if you were able to, you could do all of standard level history in one year because of the hours and like oh, wow. what was required of it. Yeah, it was kind of weird. So when I did my senior year, I only intense, had five though. courses. It was intense. I mean, it was intense, but mm. I did all of my standard level history in one year. Um, and if I remember correctly, I think my paper was on the Night of the Long Knives, which is a really... Oh, right. Yeah, it was a really important uh, night. Basically, it was like an attempted coup uh, when the Nazis were trying to rise to power in Germany. Yeah. Um, and I wrote about that. I remember being like, huh, this has a lot of like echoes with modern history. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I mean with the IB and with international schools. Cause we've been talking a lot about IB, but I think international schools have a very different atmosphere because they are so much smaller and they're really dedicated mm -hmm. to yeah. those kids who either, Let's be honest, the kids going to international schools are either local kids whose parents have money and can afford mm -hmm. to have their kids sent to these schools, or they're children of military people, diplomatic people, or um, major companies, types. yeah, like large yeah. corporations, who those higher ups, like the corporations or whatever country you're coming from, they're able to pay for those kids to go to those schools. Yeah. And so in my case, you know, university lecturers, so there was quite a few people I knew that uh, kids might, well, slightly older than me, like a couple of years old. It makes a big difference if somebody's a couple of years older than you when you're like 12. But like, you know, the, like families that were sort of like university lecturer types, a lot of them would be sending their children to international schools as well. That's it. It might be sort of like, um, you know, like have mixed backgrounds. So like the pair, one of the parents would be Japanese and one would be American or one would be English and one would be American. But there were university lecturers. So oftentimes you would find that was a thing as well. So mm -hmm. obviously they're invested in education right. because that's what they do. That's mm -hmm. their job. Uh, <laughs> so they really care about it. Yeah. Uh, but it's um, it's an interesting one just looking at it from my perspective anyway. I have I see myself as having had a very, very good education and it's a privileged mm. background to be in, obviously, 100%. But the thing is that the money that was spent on it made an enormous difference when I arrived in the UK in terms of my education was incredibly strong. Mm -hmm. The only flaw I see in this kind of education is it doesn't really necessarily 100% prepare you for day-to-day -day life. There is an assumption that you're going to automatically do well. And the only problem with that is that the world has changed drastically in the past 12 years after the financial crash. Mm -hmm. What we're being prepared for 
is a world that doesn't really exist anymore. So there are certain life skills. This is the only criticism I have is that life skills that we might need are not being given to us. We're not being taught to be adaptable. We're not being taught to kind of go, maybe it's necessary to learn a trade or work in a job. We're not being prepared for this. It's not that we can't do it, but we're not being told that it might be necessary to do a job you absolutely hate. Yeah. To get by. I think that the downside of IB is that it basically is training you for academia. That's what it is. It is training you to be able to go to university with the possibility of going and doing a master's or a PhD, whatever. It really does train you academically. Agreed. Real world skills are not as like intensely ingrained into you. Like there's no home ec courses. I'll be honest. I don't think there's really home ec courses here in the United States either for public school systems. I wouldn't say in Britain either. I don't think there is that either. No. So I think that in general, the education system overall, whether it's international schools or within local countries, unless they have courses that are like, you need to learn shop which is like woodworking, how to build things, how to fix things, or home ec, how do you balance your budget? How do you keep track of like how much Mm. money you have in your account? Like, I know we all have phones where we have our accounts, but you need to know, like, if I earn this amount of money and this amount of money is going out, am I in debt? Am I like all that stuff is not really ingrained into us within a high school setting. I think it's really kind of put on the parents to teach that. And some Parent, they, some parents don't know that. How would they teach no. their kids if they don't know it? Um, so I have to say, educationally, from like an academic background, I think I learned so much from international schools. I felt like I was yeah. really given a lot of opportunities, especially from a creative aspect. Because I have a yes, very yes. strong theater. Like, I love theater. It is my passion. It is my dream. It's something I still work in. And I feel like with the IB and the international schools I was in, there were lots of opportunities of being able to study that and also mm-hmm. actually do things. There was this opportunity that was there that I think if I had stayed in the States would not have been present for me. I would have had to work so much harder to just be able to do those things. Whereas in Mm -hmm. international schools, it was kind of like, Oh, you want to do theater here? There's a show. Go do it. Bye. Like (laughs) it was kind of like, it's just there. (laughs) Just do it. Um, and I mean, they are essentially private schools, which is sort of important. I mean, in Britain now, the problem certainly is the consideration that people who come from, poorer backgrounds don't have those opportunities mm-hmm. so people who go to private school tend to have the opportunities to become actors musicians and so on and so forth i mean society in britain has changed a lot since the 70s and 80s even in the 90s i think you probably could have got away with like you know you don't have a private school education but you probably be able to end up being able to spend a bit of time trying to work out whether you can go to do something like music or theater or whatever you know you would have that opportunity just because of the way the state worked you could do it but as we've moved into you know post financial crisis banking crisis and so on and so forth the system has shifted Mm -hmm. so private school becomes much more of an advantage um that's not to say that everybody goes to private school is is it doesn't know what they're doing as such but one has to recognize how much of an advantage that gives you Um, Oh, 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it totally does. I see that here in the States. Kids who come mm. from private schools have it so much easier than kids who come from yeah. public schools. And the other thing is that now, at least in the States, I don't know how it is in the UK, but there's this assumption that you're going to go to university. Whether you yes. really want to or not, there's an assumption that you have to go because most places now require a minimum of a bachelor's. Even jobs where like, you don't need a bachelor's degree. Let's be <laughs> really honest. You do not need a bachelor's degree. They put that as a requirement because that's Jesus. what's expected of you that you go to university. And mm. there are so many kids where it's like, I wish we could tell them, or I wish there was someone out there who was like, you don't need to go to university. You want to go into a trade? There's a trade school right there set for yeah. you. You have a job skill. You're going to make a lot of money. Have fun. Go do it. But there is yeah. this like push towards you have to go to college. You have to go get a bachelor's. And I think mm. in some way it takes away from that true desire of want. Like for me, I knew I was going to go to college, not because yeah. I felt the pressure of it. It was because I knew I wanted to do that. That was something I personally desired. Yeah. But I have friends, very close friends, um, who, if it had been up to them, they wouldn't have gone. They probably yeah. would have just taken a year off, gone straight into the work class, whatever. Like, they, they would have just not done a bachelor's. And I think they probably would have been happier for it. And not as, as much debt, <laughs> which is also the yes, problem. Yes, there is that as well. <laughs> I, it, 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 is, it, is, it is a sort of... Problem. I can see exactly why. I mean, this is probably a generational way of thinking. The problem, uh, I think, is that a lot of people who would have gone to university back in the 70s and 80s, it did make a huge difference if you had a degree or not. It mm -hmm. did make a huge difference. But the problem is, is that you have to think of degrees now differently. Doing a degree, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with doing a degree. But one has to recognise that it's not going to necessarily give you the advantage that you once would have had. Mm -mm. So I'm trying to get in to do a degree this year. I mean, depending on funding and all that. And that's another consideration. So will I get the funding for it is, is part of that thinking. But the idea, I'm looking at this and kind of going, well, what you're going to have to do with the degree is you're going to have to actually do the degree, do the degree plus work Plus, also, probably try and spend your time learning to do things outside of the degree and actually kind of have things running in tandem so that you can have a kind of career or job set up while you're doing the degree. Mm -hmm. So doing extra stuff on the side, kind of like setting things up. Getting, it's, and it's not just networking. It's also kind of thinking business terms. Like, I want to set up this business for when I leave. Mm-hmm. And even then, I know that that's not necessarily going to be a thing where I just leave the university and then be like, oh, yeah, I'm earning the money I need to do what I want to do. It will be a case of probably having the degree, having this business idea set up, but also having to continue to do the job that I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. And that could go on for another five or ten years. That, that's the way you have to think about it now. It's not as simple as degree, job, life set up, because the world doesn't work like that anymore. No, the and amount of people I know that work multiple jobs, like everyone yeah. who's my age works multiple jobs, even if they don't yeah. work all jobs that are like high pay, like they might work one job that's their main money maker, 
but then they Mm. do other things on the side that either make them happy or give them more income. Like I'm at a point right now, I'm working two jobs. I'm working on Mm. multiple shows. Like that's all work. It's not just like, I'm doing it for fun. Like, no, it's work. Like I have probably 60 hours of my week completely dedicated to doing work. Like that's what it is. Um, Personally, I wouldn't have it any other way, but I know many people who are Mm -hmm. my age who they're getting burnt out. Yes. It's exhausting. Yeah. I mean, for example, for me, I work in a job. A lot of people would love to have the job I have and that's fine. Um, but the thing is, I work. I mean, living in York, York's expensive a place to live, really, compared to most of the north of England. It is very expensive, and so in order to have a reasonable lifestyle, where you know I'm not going to be worried about running out of money and so on and so forth, I have to work six days a week. That's mm-hmm. just the nature of the industry, and that's how it goes. Uh, that's what I have to do. That's just the way it is. But then having to run podcasts and then trying to go and see friends and work on other projects outside of that you're working on personal projects you you have to put time aside and even people i know who have had much more difficult childhoods and so on and so forth much more difficult upbringings are looking at the situation in the same way they're having to work you know six days a week sometimes they have to work nine days in a row working as baristas but they also want to go forward and try and plan for other things in their future Mm -hmm. there's so much stuff going on and really, the education system, certainly with the IB and international schools, is fantastic. The only problem is the world's changed. You can't earn a living in the way that you used to earn it. Mm-hmm. If you think back to the 50s, 60s, and even 70s, for most of, let's say, Western societies, so we're including sort of like the United States, Canada, France, Britain, probably Germany. We're talking about those sorts of countries. Ireland, Spain, Italy, it probably would have been different. But you know, that the kind of the Simpsons idea. Homer goes out to work. Mm-hmm. Marge can stay at home. Mm-hmm. But this is talking about the 80s. The thing is that that kind of lifestyle does not exist anymore. Mm-mm. There's no way. There's yeah. I, Unless you the one it. breadwinner is like literally making all the money and when i say all i mean all the money there's no Mm -hmm. way that you can have if you're in a partnership and you have a family there are so few people that can successfully have only one partner working and another partner stay at home and take care of the house it just we're not in that world anymore we're not it's due to so many factors but also there are far more women who want to work who want to be in the workplace yes there's also a part of it where it's like you kind of have to Regardless yes, of desire, like you have to go out and earn money. You can't just stay at mm-hmm. home. Not because yeah. we don't value staying at home. It's just you need the financial help of having two incomes in a household. Yes. That's just yeah. our reality. Even with slowly having income minimum wage increase, at least that's what's happening here in the States. It's very slowly happening. It's still not that fast. There are still yeah. a lot of people who are like, we have to all go work. Otherwise we can't live here. <laughs> like it's just yeah. not going to happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. We kind of got a little off track, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it all feeds back into this idea of like thinking about education and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, doesn't it? Because it, 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 the education is fantastic. Yes. But I think a lot of stuff to an extent, despite it being fantastic in terms of teaching you how to think and be a critical thinker, 
which may be part of the reason why we're looking at the situation the way we're looking at it now and being able to discuss work life in this particular way. Exactly. Critically think about it because of our education. <laughs> at the same time, what's weird is maybe why some governments don't really like to give people this kind of education for free across the board is because all of a sudden you start questioning and kind of going, well, we're being told this. Mm-hmm. Why isn't the education system working in a way that allows us to get what we want. We're kind of working with a brilliant system, but it's also slightly archaic. Yes. Education exactly. is sort of like slightly behind the cultural realities and financial realities that we're dealing with. And I think that's the case for everybody. So if the international schools aren't quite keeping up because the financial crash of 2008, massive big deal. Anybody who was going to go to university in 2008 was probably screwed from the start. Yeah. Not because of the education, but because the education was just a little bit marginally outdated. Mm-hmm. It was marginally outside. It wasn't, it wasn't adaptive. And society isn't adaptive either. Right. Generally speaking. We're still trying to live the lives that we wanted to live back in the 80s. And it's just not a reality. It's just not how things work anymore. It's interesting. I mean, I think no matter what, I'm always going to see the education I had as, and I know you're the same way where it's like, that was really cool that we had that. Like, that's so awesome that we were able to get that kind of education. And just from my perspective, there's always an element for me of like, that was really great. And I'm so glad I had that. I'm so privileged. Yeah. I can still see that there are flaws like with that's part of critical thinking that we got taught from Mm -hmm. the IB and from international schools is that you see all the pros, but you also see the cons. You're not going to blind yourself to just, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, it was an amazing experience. Like I absolutely recognize the total privilege we had of going to international schools and getting the education level we got. I also recognize that there are incredible flaws in the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that make it so that one we're the only select group that get an education like this but also it doesn't truly prep us for the real world we're now living in it prepped us yeah. for the real world that existed at one point in time but like you said mm-hmm. things have changed um i mean no matter what i from the very little experience i had going to an american public system i'm yeah. so happy i went to international school yes I will say that I, I really had a hard time when I went back to America, to an American school. It was only one year and I still look back at it. I'm like, that was rough. Oh God. (laughs) It was so bad. Um, it just, it was, it it wasn't what I wanted as a kid who grew up with parents Mm -hmm. who were very like, you have to be good academically. I wasn't getting that. And it, it drove me crazy. Um, and it, mm-hmm. it made it so that the year I went back into international school, I had to work twice as hard. I was like, I could yeah. have just gone and not done this. <laughs> like I could have taken a year <laughs> off and it probably would be doing the same amount of work. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> enough trash talking. Um, no, it was, yeah. I, I'm, I feel very lucky. I agree. There are definitely things that can be improved, but, um, yes, yes. I have to say, I was prepared when I went to college. 
Yeah, yeah. No, oh my true. gosh. I was it's, like, oh, it's... this is what we're doing? Wow, this is so much easier than the IB. Yeah. <laughs> Not to be shady, but it really was, it was like, wow, like I'm going to have an easy first year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, I found it, I found the first year of university really disappointing. Mm. I thought it was going to be challenged. And he was going, this is it. I yeah. felt I felt more challenged once I t- was able to take more courses because the first semester yeah. I was like, let me see how it is. I'll only take 16 credits. And then I was like, oh, I can do more than this for sure. And so I started taking mm-hmm. more classes every semester after yeah. that. I was like, I'm taking a minimum of 20 credits, mm-hmm. which is like yeah. most courses are either three or four credits. So I was doing five or six classes depending on the semester. Okay. Yeah, because I was just like, yeah. I, I need to, I personally need more challenge. And so I took on a lot yeah. more of a course load. I remember one semester when I was in college, I was literally taking 20 credits. I was interning in New York City for 20 hours a week. Wow. And I was an RA and I gave tours on campus. And I was working on shows out. independently, like while I was on campus. I remember one of my roommates was like, are you going to be okay? (laughs) (laughs) Me at like midnight frantically working on a paper. I was like, what are you talking about? I'm fine. And like go back to like a squirrel. Oh my gosh. That was the most manic semester of my life. (laughs) (laughs) But that work ethic is useful. Oh yeah. I mean, now when I do the work that I do now, it's, it's not shocking. Like I'm, I'm prepped Mm. for it. I'm like, oh yeah, doing like, Pulling a 60-hour week is not a surprise. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm used to that. Not healthy. Oh, Don't You shouldn't be doing that. I'm preaching, preaching to the choir, yeah. I know, but <laughs> just saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week. I've had a great time. Um, no, it's, always, it's always fun looking back at the edu- educational system in many countries. Um, mm-hmm. Um, but we will see you next time. Uh, until later, Marcus. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, if you want to find us, we are on Twitter at Passport N-E-C-E-S-S-1. We are also on YouTube and you can find us anywhere where fine podcasts can be found um, through Anchor. That is our main platform, but you can also find us through Spotify, Apple Music, etc. Um, please feel free to leave us a comment, a review. We definitely appreciate those. They make us really happy uh, to see them. And feel free to um, send us questions via Twitter or any of the uh, formats that we're on. We have some really exciting episodes lined up in the future. Um, and hopefully we will have a Facebook group that will be up and running soon uh, where you can absolutely chat with other people who listen to the podcast or even ask us questions. Uh, So thank you so much again for listening and we can't wait to see you next time. Bye.